0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 277 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I had a really great time speaking with black and white photographer Richard Boutwell. Richard is an active participant in our Twitter after parties for the podcast and he always has something very interesting to say, so I thought it would be really fun to have him join me on the podcast We cover a lot of territory this week, including using photography as a vehicle for personal growth. Before we get started, I wanted to continue to to encourage listeners to join me over on Nature Photographers Network. NPN is a great place for seeing photographs, receiving and sending critique, learning from your peers, reading engaging articles, and so much more. NPN has really picked up over the past two months and it's active as ever. Just head over to npn.link forward slash stop to join. You can use the code fstop stop 10 for a 10% discount. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Richard Batwell, it's great to have you on the show, man. Well, it is
1: uh, really great to be here. Thanks for, yeah, finally. I mean, I'm glad we could finally do it. I know it's been a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I will, I will say I've been really happy whenever you come to our Twitter after parties because you always have a lot to say. Uh, you're super opinionated, which I love, even though I don't know that we typically agree on a lot, but that's totally fun. And I love that. So that's, I mean, sometimes
1: I'm a little bit worried about like, you know, rocking the boat too hard or, you know, you know, come, sometimes I can like, you know, come off a little, too, I, I really mellowed in my, in my age a bit. Yeah. You, know. you didn't want to know me 20 years ago. But let me just say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was uh, militant uh,
1: analog uh, photographer, like you did not want to know me.
0: <laughs> right. I'm a film photographer. Yeah. I, I know the type I get, <laughs> I get you. No, it's funny though, because I actually really appreciate people that are highly opinionated, but also are willing to just sit down and learn other people's perspectives. So yeah. Well, for people that aren't familiar with you, Richard, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself?
1: Yeah. So I'm Richard Botwell. Um, I've been photographing for 22 years, let's say. Um, I started kind of right after high school. Um, I was a musician in high school, like played in jazz bands. I, I grew up in Joshua Tree. So my granddad was a ranger at the monument before it was a park. So i um, kind of like grew up in the park. Uh, my family lived with my grandfather my, my dad's dad. So, um, lived there. I kind of just grew up Roman California and like Hills like above Yucca Valley. Like, um, uh, but then like kind of just got into music. Like that was kind of all I did, um, through high school. And it was like, had one of those moments where, like, do I join the Marines? This is like 2000 or do <laughs> I deliver pizzas? Like, I don't know. Um, I met a musician from New Orleans. He's like, um, you know, he's like, if you move to New Orleans, you could probably work every night of the week. And I was, I was playing bass. I was upright like, bass. Um, and so I was like, cool, I'll do that. Um, <laughs> sounds great. Like, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so um, a few months earlier, my mom's dad, my other grandfather died, and he was an amateur photographer. And so my grandma gave me all his camera stuff. So like a K1000. Uh, and so the idea was like through the summer and like the the fall, I was just going to minimize tunes. Um and, like, hang out uh, in the desert, memorize tunes, and play football play, play. So I was doing some community college work, like, just, just to do some school. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't the best student in school. So it's uh, <laughs> another long, long story. But, um, but I was, like, a decent musician. So, um, but anyway, I was, went to, to Victorville College. So Yucca Valley to Victorville is, like, 90 minutes or so, 75, 90 minutes. But they had a better music department. Um, for the kind of stuff I was going to be doing than anything like in the low desert. They also had, I had no idea, a good photography department. Uh-huh. So I was like, Oh, well, I'm doing this music stuff. I might as well like learn how this camera stuff works. Um, so I took a dark course as like an elective, uh, like photo one. And I think two weeks after like starting, I was like, I don't think I'm going to do music. <laughs> uh, and like, yeah, like I had a couple of performance courses, but like the whole idea of like moving to New Orleans and all that stuff, like went out the window like that. Um, and there was like some like stories, like, you know, whatever around that. But basically it was like, I don't know if that's for me. Um, this really seems for me. So, um, so yeah, I kind of just as much as I could, I'd be in the darker. Um,
0: wow.
1: And from there, it just like went from, you know, 35 to two and a quarter to four by five. And then a couple of years later, I got an eight by 10, um, about a year and a half, two years into it, got an eight by 10. And then was kind of just like bumming around the desert. Um, delivering pizzas for cash and then just traveling and photographing. Um, and there was like the option of like, do I, do I get it in a larger, a, a Jobo? I already had a four by five. Um, and like start building out darker and stuff, or do I go like the Edward Weston route and get a light bulb and a couple trays and an eight by 10? And uh-huh. I was like, I think the eight by 10 is the way. And so I did that I'll, at some point. Um, this is going back a ways, but there used to be a magazine called black and white photography. um, And it was, what
0: was, what was that about? No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well um, it was, so it actually went to I don't know if you curse, but like it went to, it went downhill after a few years. Um, But on the second, so like the first open spread was um, I think it was like inside front cover. Anyway, uh, it was like a silver printed um, paper for like a first couple ads. So there's like a Scott Nichols ad every single summer or every single issue with Scott Nichols. And there's a double page spread of these people. uh, named Michael Smith and Paula Shandley and under every photograph, it said silver chloride contact print. And I was like, what is that? Like, it just sounded magical as like, you know, 19 year old, um, and I went to the, one of the teachers, and I was like, why do these prints look like this in this magazine? And he's like, eh, it's just the reproductions. And I flipped the page to the other, you know, it would always be like a Brett Weston or Ansel Adams as like the other ad and the Scott Nichols ad. And I was like, but it's the same paper. It's the same printing. Like, why is it different? He's like, ah, it's just the printing. So that took me down this, like a little bit of a hole of what the silver chloride paper was. Um, and one of the teachers, like, I still actually have a bit of the box, but he gave me this box of azo. It's like this mythical paper. Um, and it's only contact printing paper, and that's what this silver chloride paper was. Um, so, you know, I was like, all right, like, wh- let me, this is early days of internet, too, a bit, um, in terms of like photo internet. Um, so I just like tried to figure out what the hell this paper was. And it was these people in Pennsylvania, this Michael Smith and Paula Shamley, were the only distributors of it. Um, they had like a deal with Kodak to sell it as like the only distributor. And it's the, I think, the longest continually produced photo paper um, whenever. And that's all they used. And like, that's all they used from like 1975 or something like that. Um, and so it's like, I have to know these people, I mean, whatever. And, um, so I like drew about to like Albuquerque for like a large format photography conference at like 2002. And I like sat in the front row. as like, hands like on my lap, like, just like impart your wisdom on me. Um, and he said something, he was like, uh, I was like, how do you hire assistants or something like that? And he basically like at the end of the talk, he handed me a box. Um, and he's like, you carry this for me. I was like, yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, like, so I came and I wanted to show him my prints and I showed him what he, and I thought they were like great prints. Right. And he's like, mm, this down here, like, that's no good. Um, like he didn't say that's no good. He said, that's unacceptable. And I was like,
0: Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: And I was like, okay, like I can trust this dude. Um, and so anyway, like, after the conference, he was like, ah, maybe like, you know, we'll get together. We're traveling later in the year. Um, you know, maybe you'll come with us on a trip or something like that. And I was like, cool. Sounds great. Um, and then a girlfriend, I and I were on a trip like to Point Lobos or something. And I would get these like frantic phone calls on the answering machine when I get home of like this guy saying, give me a call. I need to talk to you. Like, and he was like, basically like, our assistant, um, we had for this big book project, um, dropped out. Like, can you get here in a couple of weeks? Or he just, I think he said, like, how fast can you get here? I was like, two weeks. Um, so I packed up like a bunch of stuff in like the little station I in and had and like moved to the East Coast in like 2002, the fall of 2002, um, and then was like a darkroom slave, I mean assistant, for a bunch of years, like you know, and then started doing drum scanning and digital printing and all sorts of stuff, um, and then it turned into you know a bunch of other stuff. But um, I know it's long-winded no, it's like, but like no you know.
0: it's good to hear the the foundation so yeah so going back to the the class you took the fir- very first photo class you took what was it about photography that bit you like, um
1: it has to be the printing like not the like magic of it coming up in the in developer because like it's fucking i'm sorry it's dark <laughs> you're good you're good um you can't see a thing when it's coming up in developer like you know but it's like having that print in front of you and like watching the light reflect off of it and it's still dripping you know um and just like there was this nothing and now it's this object uh and like light made that happen like it wasn't the magic of the light making happen. it was like it was really just like having the thing in your hand um that came from nothing right so maybe it was a little bit magical but it's
0: it like, was just you,
1: really the printing
0: you um, kind of felt
1: you felt like god no i wouldn't say that i was like in the presence of no. God
0: <laughs> um no i mean like you well, created like, something from nothing kind of
1: yeah well yeah you know like Later, I just, like, think of, like, these things as, like, conduits. And, like, that's kind of the idea, right? Oh, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, it's just, like, uh, the physicality. And so I really got into, like, what a print is and what it looks like, what they should look like, all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: And, that's... you know, it was, I was actually super lucky if I can just, like, say for one minute because yeah, I'm, like, so thankful for, like, the, the guy who, you know, the instructor. It was two people. Um, Frank Foster was, like, the the my instructor. And there was Brentwood who was the other. And, like, Brent's great. Like, Kind of he I bought all his all about my eight by ten off of him by my Hasselblad because, um, long other long story, but he was an NASA photographer and like industrial photographer. Uh, he had his people, his students printing on RC paper, and Frank Froster, the, the guy who was teaching to the class I was, was like photo or fiber based gloss paper. And if it was RC paper, like it's plastic. It doesn't it doesn't have that quality that a um, like that physicality that a fiber print does, I might not be sitting here talking to you. It was like, because it was, I mean, me, is that true? I don't know. But like, I like to think of it that way. It's like, I was so lucky. Like, (laughs) um, but anyway, so yeah, it was, it was the printing. It's the print, like the, it's
0: the print. Got it. Okay. Well, you, you were talking before about how you grew up in Joshua Tree and your grandfather was a park ranger. And I'd be really curious to hear how that particular upbringing has influenced your relationship with nature and why you make photographs.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So number one, it's like, don't mess it up. Like, like our job here is to like be respectful and take care of this place, not spray paint rocks or walk off trail or, you know, so it's funny. Like it got me in doing another project. It got me thinking about um, like, just like family history stuff and like migration and all that stuff. Um, And I learned that when he became a ranger in the late sixties, it was like a huge, and I think Edward Abbey like talks about this in desert solitaire, like the park service was like really expanding and like making things more accessible. And part of that is hiring a ton of law enforcement rangers. Um, so our grandfather was like a, a Navy corpsman in like world war two in Korea, and then became um, a ranger um, in the sixties. So he was like, you know, by the book kind of uh, don't mess it up. Like we're here to protect this thing, not like let it go. Um, so there's like that aspect of it. And the other is like, his just like sense of adventure. Like his, um, his wife died before I was born. My grandmother died in like 78 ish or something like that. So, um, he just like started. And so he even retired in like 81, 82, so like right around maybe even 83. I forget. But, um, but basically he just like got on his motorcycle, um, with him and a buddy and just like would go up on the gold wings up into Alaska. Like I've got, um, like Pease river, i Albat- or like patch, like right here next to my desk. Um, from like just going on the bikes and like going off doing their thing. Um, come back whenever, I don't know. Um, so there was like that sense of adventure. And then also just being outside. Uh, we would like go to the Eastern Sierra like several times a year, um, just go photographing, uh, you know, I'm sorry, not photographing, fishing um, in the Owens Valley. So sure. like since I was probably four years old until, I don't know, he like died in 2002. Um, so, you know, whatever number of those years, like we always went up there. And so, it's just like have this like this super deep connection to a place when you're not even thinking about the, like the landscape, you're just there, like you're just inhabiting right. the place. Um, so, you know this this aspect, this like idea of like it's here to take care of, and this is like also just beautiful. Like I don't know what to say. Like just kind of sparse and beautiful. It's like just be a, a part of me. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. No, that, that, that's cool. Um, I want to fast forward then to your trip to these coasts. In 2002 oh, yeah, yeah. and working, you know, for the large format, fine, fine art photographer. What, it sounds like you were there for quite a while. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened after you got there?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's in, so it was like the fall, right? And I'm like used to the desert and like, I don't have winter boots. Like what's a winter boot? Um, the. What's rain? What's, what's snow? Uh, yeah, it's great. Like they. Um, so are like two photographers, like husband and wife. Um, so he shot with like eight by 10 for a ton and then eight by 20. Uh, and then she mostly photographed with an eight by 10. Uh, but, uh, I get out here. Oh, so he had like bought some property, um, kind of like Bucks County, like the eastern side of Pennsylvania. Um, the only way to get there is crossing, like driving through a Creek. It's like between two Creek crossings up like a super steep, like Hill in the woods, um, and I have like a, you know, 2000 Ford escort wagon. Uh, <laughs> and so my like first like experience with winter here was like parking half mile away and like trudging through the snow to get to the dark room to like start work at 8am. Right. Um, so no, it was just like eight to 10 PM every day in the dark room, um, setting up the dark room, like mixing chemistry, finishing prints. Um, and so they would be basically, itinerant photographers, um, travel around the country with like new photographs from the year and and books and just have tons of collectors they would go see for like months at a time uh
0: really
1: like sales trips that would like take months and so it was great because i mean it was great until i didn't get paid but that's another long story um but uh where you know we'd have like this super intense time where i'm just like every day six five six days a week in the dark room um like finishing like fix basically to make it efficient um they expose like do the exposure, dodging and burning and development because with this paper, it develops in one minute. And so anytime after that, the color changes and the, and it gets darker. Um, so you have to pull it within a minute. And so they're like judging that as it's coming up. The other super nice thing about silver chloride paper is you can basically read a newspaper in the, the safe light. Cause it's a super slow contact printing paper. Um, so you're printing with like a 300 watt bulb. Um, and so your safe light is also really bright. So, you could like read a book in there if you wanted, but to make it efficient, um, they would do that, throw it in the stop bath. I'd stop fix, put on the viewing board, um, and then like hit the foot switch for the, the viewing lights and evaluate the prints. Um, and so to keep them from having to like get their like fixer on their hands, wash their hands every time, um, while I'm fixing, they're washing the developer off and uh, throwing stuff up. So evaluating the prints and like that, if anything that taught me how to print, it was, um, standing over the fixer tray and like looking at the minutest detail changes between, you know, a half second burn here and like two second dodge there and like which prints better. And like how that kind of tonality, uh, corrections, corrections, but, um, adjustments have to do with composition and like balance and flow through a picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, immense gratitude for how much I actually learned, you know, as much as I like, gripe about shaking a fixer tray and like finishing prints, like, you know, I didn't learn how to print any other way. Um, so it would be like that for you know months and they would take off on a trip and I have the dark room. Um, and so I, you know, I take care of books. I ship books and mostly shipping books for them. Um, maybe some photo paper uh, and then just like do my own thing for a while. And so they had a huge photo library. Um, so I would like hang out, look at photo books, look through their entire collection of photographs and then work in the dark room and then, you know, do my own work kind of when I could around that. Um, and that went on, I probably stopped, doing darker work like 2009, 2008, oh, 2009 wow. and started doing scanning um, kind of like taught, you know, taught myself Photoshop to some degree. Um, and that was like, what really taught me Photoshop was like um, matching the silver chloride prints with like scans and oh, retouching, uh-huh. try to match those tonalities. Sure. Um, so like did Photoshop stuff then, and then turned into drum scanning and, and then larger printing. And then, you know, through that, like trying to do my own work as much as I could. So,
0: so are you still, um only working in analog or do you have do oh no do- I,
1: I kind of stopped um god wouldn't i probably stopped eight by ten 2011 12 um and then just like started doing digital work okay. most of that was like well let me say i was shooting two and a quarter and then drum scanning that and then um going from there um and then 2015 ish i started shooting more um digital capture and then okay.
0: how did you find that transition?
1: Uh, it's, you know, I was just, I think I'm going back to eight by 10. Like you heard it here first. Um, (laughs) it's just, there's something I was looking through a bunch of pictures, like just like from the recent trips and stuff and like, they're good. There's just like lacking. The prints aren't lacking. The prints are fine. Um, it's like the actual experience of photographing is what's lacking. Mm -hmm. And so I need to like think a little bit better about like how to proceed using like going back to eight by 10. Cause I, I sold like one of the cameras I had and um, sold a couple of lenses. So, you know,
0: yeah, that's what I've heard from a lot of eight by 10 or four by five photographers is that they come back because they miss the process that's involved in image capture on, on film. Um, I've never actually used four by five or eight by 10 or even 35 millimeter. I've always been digital. So mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't know what to compare it to, but I could appreciate, you know, coming up, learning a certain way to capture image and the process that you have to go through in order to make, you know, make the magic happen.
1: Well, it's funny. It's like, um, okay, so I don't actually own like a good digital. I have like a little uh, Fuji crop sensor for like like rolling around, but I I don't photograph on the East Coast. Let me just like kind of say that too. Um, All my work is still kind of based out West. So if I'm ever going anywhere, like I'll just rent the Fuji hundred megapixel for, for whatever,
0: uh, whatever I guess,
1: yeah. um, photograph with that. And so like, you know, is there something like that the tool is not like integrated with me? You're like, well, uh, who knows? It's a camera, but like the actual like, okay, to get anything good out of it, you need to focus stack. You need to like all this stuff. What I, I was just thinking about this the other day, um, that there's these like interventions like these, um, software interventions that are happening that you might like, say you frame it up, right. Um, your, your edges, like everything is like exactly where you want it. And your frame, um, you press the shutter and then it goes through and does lens corrections. It like do, oh, right. distorts everything. And so the thing you saw, like, is that really what you photographed is that's what's, is that what's actually showing up in the you know case okay, so you can de-squeeze it, whatever in the raw data. Um, but like that digital intervention just kind of seems like is, what's causing something to miss for me. I see. Interesting. I might be wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm just no good. Um, But no, it's just, like, in terms of, like, um, I was looking at something, I was like, that rock is, like, it's on the wrong part on the frame. And, like, is that because the screen's too small and I'm used to using, you know, this 80-square-inch thing? Um, You know, who knows? So just, like, process. It informs so much of, like, how you do things and what you shoot. So I think figure it out a way. It's just, you know, hard to get stuff out there.
0: That's um, one of the things I really like about uh, photographing with a drone is because I use an iPad, for my, I connect an iPad to my controller, and so it's like a flying eight by ten camera. Like it's awesome, you know.
1: That's. I thought about exactly that. With um, like I bought for this last trip, like you know, something to clamp onto the tripod to put like on my iPad to like tether to it. Yeah, And yeah. it's like you know, it's windy and the things like flapping around. I'm right. Thousand like dollar iPad is gonna crash onto the rocks and fall in the in the lake, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, I didn't do that, but anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. So let's shift gears over to the history of photography. So um, what do you think we can learn by studying the history of photography and art history in general?
1: Um, Oh, this is a a tricky one because there's like this, hmm, how do I want to say without Um, basically like everybody now, it feels like they're just learning from YouTube. And it's like, if it didn't, if it didn't happen on YouTube, like this kind of like out of their consciousness, um, and there's this two, almost 200 years of history, like for YouTube uh, in terms of photo history, let's say it's 180 years. I'll say that um, there's a lot of stuff that happened. Um, and all of like all this stuff we're doing now, everything that you see in a museum is informed by those hundreds of years. Um, and so the importance of like, if you want to be part of the conversation, like your work, to, like to kind of exist in this continuum, then you should kind of know about it. <laughs> um, and you know, I'm not sure if you asked, how do we learn about it or why? It's, it's more of the why. Yeah, the more of the why is like, um, there's a couple, there's like, going back to this idea of like, um, like what I learned, like from being an assistant, that is, um, there's like this idea of lineage. And it's kind of like my wife, like taught yoga for a while um and she like still practices a ton like taught uh, a lot as well but there's this idea of lineage and like your teachers and like their lineage of teachers and like the same can be said like photographers um there's like a lineage of photographers that we're all kind of building on um and so like have like being a part of that like you know one i hope like it makes the work better um and two is like also just to be a good good to be a part of that um yeah i'm not sure if that answered your question or not but um how like i know there's like it's a really old, beat up book. Um, there's like two. There's like the photographers on photography, and it's like um, Nathan Lyons. They like edited, it. but like just writers, like photographers, like writing about like the development of photography as an art form. Um, and there's other one like photography in print, which is going back to, like the 1816. So that's like by Vicky Goldberg, and also like super beat up. It's like been around with me. Um, and so like there's like photo books, like history books, and then there's also just. You know, go to museums and like, you know, yes, you can learn a ton from the internet, but like actually being in the presence of the things, like seeing how like light reflects off them, off prints and stuff, like why this person over that person. Like um, I think that's quite kind of important to,
0: do you, to know. Do you feel like studying the history makes you feel more connected to the craft in general? Um. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Um Cause I think, I think there's a lot of people that get into photography and, you know, because of YouTube and all that, they feel like they've kind of figured it out and mastered it or whatever, which, you know, if you're making consistently decent photographs that look good, yeah, you probably, compared to most of your friends, you're a good photographer, you know? Yeah. And, it, and that's like this part of the curve, but there's also like this huge mountain up here Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get to that top of that little hill at the base of the mountain. They're like, I think I'm good. You know, and then they, but I think to your point, I think if you want to climb that bigger mountain and have it become like a a lifelong pursuit, I think that historical perspective becomes more and more important.
1: Yeah. Like I, you know, I kind of think like, this is basically all I've done. Um, like I played music a bit. Yeah. I was like in some bands and things like that. Like for like career wise, um, this is all I've done. Um, to do that, like, I also like chainsawed a bunch of stuff in the woods for a while, um, you know, cleared brush and, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. But, um, you know, I've been, I would say like lived in, you know, a little bit on the edge in terms of like, Oh, I got $30 in the bank account. Um, no health insurance until I got married kind of thing. But, um, but you know, and that does, you know, being married to some with health insurance, like certainly goes a long way to being able to only do this. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know you kind of make those like trade-offs and sacrifices in terms of what you want to do, can do, and like, you know, what do I hope to achieve? Ah, I don't know. Like, at one point I was like, "I'm going to sell prints to like, be in museums and all this stuff, and then like, that whole like, art market world changed like 10, right. 15 years ago. And, and
0: it is funny stuff. how that works with photography, at least on the monetization side, that it seems like once people kind of figure out what, how to do it, then like, the game totally changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Which is why I tell people, you know, it's important to just have your, have a ton of different things going on at the same time.
1: Like, I mean, I started developing software um, and that's, you know, like, to be honest, like all my money now comes from like software sales. Yeah. And, and it's not like it's a lot because like it's a pretty niche kind of software, but um, that and like, you know, private, like one-on-one teaching. Um, I don't do like workshop work. I mean, I've done some, but um, I don't do like the kind of normal or what you think of as like normal photo workshops. Um, sure. um part of you know, some reasons for that, but you know. Um but no, like you know, I had to you know, part of it was like my own itch to scratch for like learning software development. But um part of it was like there's a need for for me to do it. So and like the benefit is like it does like, you know, pay the groceries and like sometimes like I can go on a trip. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what what does the software do? Uh so how much time
1: you got? No, um
0: in a nutshell. In a
1: nutshell. Now, basically um when okay, in a nutshell, I started doing platinum plating printing probably 2008ish um, from 8 x 10 contact print negative, so contact printing process. Um, however, I did so much dodging and burning in the darkroom that didn't translate to palladium printing because it's such a slow process um, in terms of exposure time, like UV exposure. So I started doing some masks, and then one thing left or another, and I'm like making digital negatives, like inkjet negatives. Um, so um, basically after a bunch of years being frustrated with like all the quote unquote systems out there, I mean, not quote unquote, like they are literal systems, but um frustrated with all the, the stuff. Like I was like, there's, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Oh, there's not like, okay, let me figure that out. And so um, I figured out kind of my own system for it. That makes it a lot easier than like how it used to be. Um, so that started in like, like 2016, I started doing it like first in like spreadsheets and then my stuff got so complicated. It was breaking spreadsheets. So then I was like, all right, Swift, here we go. So I started looking at learning Mac development and spent a couple of years developing that, that turned into like, um, inkjet printer, like straight inkjet prints. So basically, um, there's a guy in, in Vermont, uh, John Cohn with PiezoGraphy. Um, he was like one of the original kind of, um, fine art inkjet printers and like kind of hackers in terms of like printing. Um, so he would take all the color inks out and put dilutions of gray in it. So Instead of like CMYK, like the old printers used to be only like black and three colors, um, there'd now be four shades of gray. So you get much smoother tonal transitions for black and white than you would otherwise. As printers got more ink channels, the shades that you could use started going up as well. Um, the dots also started getting smaller. So now you have this combination of smaller dots, more inks, and you have this ability to lay so much ink onto the paper um, that you basically don't see dots. Um, so if you're doing color printing, like you're going to have to be using whatever, like the, the native resolution of your printer is and color, all that stuff, which there's a lot of, um, let's say, man, color inkjet printing has gone so far and you, you know, it's amazing what you can do with it. Like um, I did like color printing for people for a while. Like it's amazing what you can do with it. Um, but it's also really amazing what you can do black and white. So basically I, I developed some software that allows you to take those inks out um, a new way of creating what we call partitions. So overlapping shades of gray for any number of inks and in any channel, and then able to throw like color Tony inks or d- inks with different color, like gray inks with different color, and then be able to visualize, um, a black and white print, um, by changing the ink levels of color color inks. Okay. So it all sounds like boring, complicated, which is exactly why I wrote the software because, <laughs> um, <laughs> because man, I see people's eyes glaze over just like from here. And um, what
0: are you talking about?
1: Yeah, no, seriously. It's, um, you know, you just like see pictures of curves, like moving around, like what the hell is this? I don't know. Um, but for the people who do this and need it, like this is like, you know, kind of a, let's say a godsend, but like, you know, what's it called?
0: What's it called?
1: Uh, I call it quad quad tone profiler. So it runs on a, a third party, um, rip, that is a black and white specific rip called Quad Rip, and so the the developing the media settings for that has always been a challenge. Um, so I made it like a a new way of doing it, and so it's the profiler for this rip. Right on. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure there's at least
0: someone listening. who's like, I use that.
1: Maybe I know um, Michael Strickland has it. I'm not sure if he's using it now. Um, right. So I was thinking yeah, like, of Michael yeah. Strickland when you were talking uh, about. Yeah, like, I bet yeah, know yeah, he um, knows about it. Yeah, no, we've, we've talked.
0: <laughs> He's a cool dude. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, I don't even remember what I asked you, actually. Well, so like I think you, well. This is about history, but. We, we yeah, I know this air. is about
1: history, but, you know, we got talking about, um, you know, how you make <laughs> a living doing this stuff and then right. yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, anyway.
0: <laughs> no, that's cool. Well, I'm really curious uh, to hear you talk a little bit about kind of, your relationship with photography. And so I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how engagement in photography has acted as a vehicle for personal growth.
1: Yes. That's, I think actually that's where we started with um, the whole art history thing. Um, But the idea that, um, like, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm like this, like, I kind of am not satisfied just like, you know, coming home, like popping on the TV and just like, waiting for the next day to come. Um, Like I always want more. And when Mm -hmm. I was assisting, so part of assisting was like being in workshops, um, like assisting during the workshops. And they would have like several a year um, doing printing and like critique workshops. And there's something he said, it's like um, your quality of life is proportional to like how much you see. It's like see experience. And so like you want to have like as big of a life, as a full of life as you you possibly can, right? So you want to see more and like seeing more just kind of like, brings up this thing of like growth Um, and like, you know, not just consuming, but like seeing so that you can like bring new things into the world. Um, And so that as like the photography being a vehicle for that kind of thing, Um, like on a more personal thing though, like, you know, um, if you're walking around the desert, you do a lot of thinking. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, You know, (laughs) it's quiet. uh, (laughs) And that's kind of, yeah. So it, it like gives you this ability to like, think about the world, um, think about your relation to the world, like your relation to other people, like all this stuff. And, you know, you're not just, um, I mean, you're not just like kind of going through life, right? Like you're, you're trying to, I don't know, you just want more. Like, um, no,
0: I, I understand what you're describing. It's, uh, um, yeah. there's something about being alone with your camera in nature. And you're so immersed in that experience that, you're able to drown out all of the noise and then your brain just becomes so much more free to engage in all sorts of things. Yep. Um, and the
1: way the, the kind of beautiful thing about photography, um, is that when you're making the pictures, like you don't know what the pictures are about. Um, but you have like all this kind of mental space That's why I like to photograph alone and why I like to be in the desert. Cause like nobody around, um, you have like a headspace where you like, you can like let things like these like tendrils go out in all these directions. And then you're responding to stuff in the landscape. Uh, and you're making pictures and you have no idea like what or why you're making these pictures. And so you start looking at them later and like, you start to make connections to all these like things that you, at least, I mean, in terms of that's, that's how I like to work. Um, making these like connections like, oh, like, and so like, um, as an, like kind of real specific example, um, the, let's see, I kind of didn't like my son was born in 2018. Um, in like the, the spring. So kind of didn't go anywhere for the first couple of years. Um, and then, um, my dad, like my parents moved from the, from Yucca Valley, like Joshua tree to Southern New Mexico, Southwestern New Mexico, um, kind of like 2014 ish maybe. Um, so I hadn't gone back to um, like the California desert for a number of years, um, went to, to Southern New Mexico back a bit, but, um, he got a C a cancer and was like real sick. Um, kind of early 2020, late 2019, early 2020. So, um, so anyway, like we didn't have like, you know, like any, I'm not sure. I kind of like, feel like there's always like father, son, like kind of like, n- you know, head butting and to some degree, like I had a fair share of that with my dad, just various stuff. Um, So, okay. It was, so he ends up, um, like, so long, I mean, of course, like everything with me is a long story, but like ends up, um, like passing (laughs) away, like, you're like me. (laughs) Yeah. Ends up passing away like early 2020, like right before COVID kind of like took over. Um, and so that was like first weeks of February and I'd already had like a big, like Death Valley trip kind of in the works for, um, like mid February. And so I kind of like went from him dying in New Mexico, came home for a few days, got my camera stuff, went back out to Death Valley. And like, here I am with like this, like, you know, shock. I mean, it's not a shock because he was like sick for a while, but you know, like this, like, oh, like, right.
0: There's a new, my
1: father died. I'm yeah. just become a father. Like this, like, you know, kind of. Yes. <sighs> um, and so like, I'm just, it was like first trip, like, you know, since um for anything really since like 2018. And, like, here I am by myself with, like, all this, like, kind of world-shaking stuff. And, like, all I had to do was walk around the desert and photograph. Um, I tried doing, like, the YouTube channel kind of stuff. And I was like, this is not for me. Like, <laughs> um, I it's not for me. But, like, I tried, you know. Like, I've tried to put on that face of, like, this is so amazing. Look at this, guys. Like, fuck that. Uh, That's hard. But, um, no, it's hard. And, like, it really takes me out of, like, the whole idea of photographing is, like, to experience, to grow. Like, be Same. immersed. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's hard to do that when you're almost thinking about like setting up for the shot, whatever. But anyway, so like you have like this things that you can't verbalize, right? Like you can't even like know how to think about like, like birth, life, death, like afterlife passages, all this stuff. And then it starts showing up in pictures because I'm walking around these death Valley canyons. Like that's kind of what I mean by personal growth. Like mm-hmm. it allows you like this way to, to get into stuff that, you know, is hard to get into. Like, you know, it's like you're a therapist or you're a psychologist.
0: Um, yeah. I've, I mean, I've, yes. Uh, yeah, so exactly. <laughs> you how it. avoidance works. Like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. Like
1: having this, this vehicle to kind of get into some of these things that are a little, like deep and scary. Like, you know, that's, that's part of it.
0: Right. And not necessarily with intention.
1: Exactly. Cause like, yeah, because you're, you know, maybe there is some intention, but like, you know, hard to just press that button, let it go.
0: Yeah. But it gives you a, uh, a vehicle through which you can express some of that without even necessarily trying to.
1: Yeah. Or like even knowing it's there to begin with. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 What, what, what I'm curious, what kind of qualities did those images have that made you realize that that's what they were about? Um, it's really funny. My, I came home
1: and, um, I showed my wife some, she's like, these are all birth canal pictures. And I was like, (laughs) maybe that's what they are to you. (laughs) Um, but no, so there's, Basically, it's. I was actually just thinking. This is so crazy. Um, just a few days ago, I was like thinking about this in terms of some of them. Um, and this is how like the meaning changes as like as you sit with them longer too. Um, but they're um they're all kind of this like what is that it's Fuji format like sixty five by twenty four or something like that. Um, so they're like real close up of like canyon walls. Um, and just I don't want to say chaotic, but um. S- you know, chaotic, let's just say that. And like these little glimmers of like light at at the end of the canyons. And so it kind of like, looks like passages that you, and that's why I said it like, um, as like, they just came out of nowhere. I was like thinking of them more as like, um, as like aerial photographs, um, like abstract. Yeah. They're all like pretty abstract. Um, and then like looking at them process something like you see like this, like passage you're working through kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So, you know, birth canal and then like also like this, you know, passage thing and then just like the other day like um you know i was talking about losing the studio and like everything being the small space here and i just like felt like the walls are closing in on me Mm -hmm. uh and i'm looking at these photographs and like i felt the same way like right before that 2020 trip of just like i'm on the east coast i don't want to be here and um this is where life is right now and all this stuff i can't ever photograph here all this all that stuff right um, and then like going to this super, like, you know, expansive place like Death Valley, but then photographing in tight, small canyons, like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, Richard. Uh, but anyway, like they, um, so yeah, you, you, you I there's this really great, um, thing that, um, Richard Benson was like a, a teacher at Yale, uh, for a long time. And there's like, a traveling show right now, um, based on his, like of his work. And along with it is like his students works, but the, the show is great. It's called the pictures are smarter than you are. I think that's the name of the show, but this idea of like, you know, whatever you think you're bringing to it, like there's more, you know, like mm-hmm. the pictures, like the pictures know more than you do. So trust the pictures. Uh, that's, and that's kind of what I try to do.
0: That's so interesting. And it's, um, you know, as landscape photographers, especially like more traditional or it's, you know, you have a sky, you have, the landscape you might have some trees or rocks or whatever but i think oftentimes those kind of hidden meetings are harder to parse out um yeah i was gonna say like and you know i said all that stuff about like these things and like
1: you know my dad dying like all that stuff like i don't have that written on the site like i haven't been able to write it i've tried like several times like drafts all over my computer about trying to write for this thing I can't like verbalize it yet. Right. But like the pictures are there. Nobody knows what the hell those pictures are about. Like, I guess now nah, maybe somebody does, um, but that's not what they are to the people viewing them. Like uh, does it give some context? Like, yeah, maybe, but um, uh, yeah, like it's hard to communicate that meaning if you don't write it or like put captions or titles or something. Um, and yeah, what are you, you going to say? That,
0: that's an interesting uh, segue because I know that, you and I have had conversations about that too. And I you, I think you have a fairly, we well, have a very strong opinion about this, but it's also one that I think is worth sharing um, just in terms of the idea of photos having titles and photos having captions. And, and, I, and what's interesting, uh, not to like put words in your mouth, but I'm pretty sure you're fairly against people putting t- titles on their photographs but what I think is super interesting about that is that it's kind of contradictory to what you're talking about right now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um,
1: so what? So what I'm against? Okay, let me just like alienate a bunch of people and maybe get some hate mail. But um, it won't be the first time. So yeah, yeah uh, of course. Um, what I see a lot of are are people putting arbitrary titles to their thing. It's like you sure. could put like a random word generator to like you know fire and ice. Thumbs up, buddy. Like. Okay. That was rude. I'm sorry. Um,
0: No, I mean, I've done that before. I get it. (laughs) I'm not offended.
1: (laughs) But, you know, it's just like this idea, like, well, it has to have a title because how are they going to like pick it off of all my other Death Valley whatever's? Um, And like, I understand that. And like, okay, I understand it. Um, But it's like this kind of forced thing about a title, like has to have a title I have to come up with something. Um, let me like pick something. It almost feels like it's picked out of the hat. What I really think, and this is like, comes back from like kind of how I, in terms of like photographically, how I was raised. Um, if you tell a person what the picture is about, like it doesn't leave room for them to bring themselves to it. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you say like this one is like reverence, like, okay. Um, that's what they're thinking about now. Um, and like the example that, um, it was always used was like this, uh, Walker Evans picture of, um, an African-American church. And I think it, it's definitely Alabama and it's just like a straight church, like straight on. And instead of like some title, it just said Alabama. Like it didn't say the the place in Alabama, just Alabama. And it, like that brings so much more to it. And like can mean so much more than some title, mm-hmm. you know?
0: No, I, um, I, I don't disagree
1: with that. So I do title projects though. And like, that's where, you know, it's like from the series, like blah, 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 like testimony. It's like the, the thing is, and like, there's a lot of like stuff wrapped up in that, that, you know, goes back to like butting heads with my dad when I was 16, like, you know, um, whole, like, yeah.
0: No, it's interesting. Uh, (laughs) because I, anybody else, but no, you're good. I don't think you're going to offend anybody. Um, (laughs) well, it's just,
1: yeah. I mean, it's like super common thing for like a teenager to like start to buck their, you know, instilled, you know, religious background stuff. Right. Like, you know, it's, you know, it's like a super common thing. And so, I don't like, I don't think I'll be offending anybody by that, but like, you know, it's, it's how you grow up and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, no, I was more saying, I don't think you're going to offend anybody when you say that putting captions and titles on photos is maybe not the most artistic idea. However, uh, my counter argument to this, and I actually just talked to another person about this on the podcast is, and we both, we both agreed, um, as people who like to look at other people's photography. That sometimes it's really interesting to hear what the photographer was thinking about, or what what they think the image is about, or um, just as a fellow photographer, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's interesting that you were thinking that, Um, because I feel like that adds a lot than someone just like throwing a picture on Instagram and like, here's a picture I took last weekend at so and such some place. It's Um,
1: funny you say that because, like, I my Instagram posts have gone way like in terms of volume have gone way down as I think about like the kind of like captioning and, and all that. Like, um, but so what I do, I will say like that the project statement is where like, I use, you know, use the project statement as a way to communicate that stuff and um, but try to leave enough room for, you know, for interpretation or, you know, people to bring their own thing to it.
0: Sure. No, I think, I think they're both valid approaches. Honestly, I i I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, and uh, this is going to sound really, hmm, the words that come to my mind for my own work would be like banal or kitsch, kitschy. But yeah. like, you know, if you're trying to sell prints and you're relying on search engine optimization and like keywords and metadata and blah, 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 like meta descriptions and like some of that. those descriptors are like, it's really to just generate and traffic
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's so I will put um, I'll generally put uh, vague places. And, you know, it's like, I want, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to get away from like specific canyons and things like that. Sure.
0: But um, you would say like California desert or something. Yeah.
1: Or, you know, it's, it's obviously death Valley, you know, like, sure it's death Valley. That's Um, a big place. You're not gonna. Yeah. And, but like, you know, it's just kind of like tacked into the the title and I use, I just use like numbers basically. Um, gotcha.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. And you know, it kind of gets to this idea of like, you know, man, this idea of like, it's like this, like two different worlds, like we're kind of like living in. Um, there's like the, the landscape photography world of like where people are buying, um, you decor. know, like art show prints, like decor, like, and and like, this is, I don't mean to say it in a bad way, but like, like pretty pictures. I said it I didn't mean to say it no
0: no Um, I I'm the first person to say it about my own work a lot of my not all my work I would say especially in my work prior to maybe 2019 or 2020 but like yeah a lot of it's just pretty pictures of pretty things
1: well what I was gonna (laughs) say I think a better way to say is like more approachable photographs okay um where like more approachable to a larger number of people um Mm -hmm. and so um so there's that thing and then there's like the like the capital A fine art kind right. of world where
0: right it has to like say, it's like you say something about the yeah, dark side of humanity or or, or yeah
1: like cultural statements on something 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 right um right. uh yeah and like that's kind of you know for better or worse like kind of like the circle I was around and I, w- I actually you know, so much of my early stuff was early, you know, it was like Edward Weston inspired, like, you know, modernist looking straight landscape photography, um, like black and white, you know, um, cause that's, you know, who I was influenced by. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, um, and then course. I started some people and they're like, okay, so what, like, these are anachronisms, like you're trying to live in a different time here. I'm like, oh, like, oh, you kind of just like rocked my world again. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's like, if this whole thing is like, I'm going to be in museums, I'm going to sell to big collectors, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, I'm going to say what you have to do. Um, But it's, it's tricky. Like, it's hard to kind of like, you want to do one thing you want to try to contextualize it for another thing. Um, But also like, (laughs) um, you're also just trying to make like things that you feel good about, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah, no, it's, I I think this is an important topic to talk about because um, I know for myself anyways, I struggle a lot with this, and have for a long time with this idea of like, uh, calling myself an artist, you know? And it's like, okay, yes, I'm creating something, but the very means of like pressing the shutter and intentionally arranging objects on the camera screen and choosing what to include and exclude and the focal length and the shutter speed, like I'm, that's an artistic thing. Right. But like, it's not like a Mozart's fifth symphony or whatever. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a picture.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and what Mozart did was just notes on a page. I know. I, mean, just I, know, down, I know, right? I know, like, I know, I know. I
0: know.
1: So you know, like, I mean, it does get into it. Like, you know, there's like this this perception of like, oh, that's just a really nice sunset, and it's like that's as like far as it goes for a lot of people, or some other people, like, oh my god, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen, and like that's where they go, and like something, let's say, just like something I do, like the hell is that? Just a bunch of gray rocks, like. Um, and it's like, yeah, like it is literally just a bunch of gray rocks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's all it is like a bunch of gray rocks on some, you know, some specks of ink or like some silver on some paper. Like that's all it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like, what else can it be though? Like that's kind of, you know, and like, that's different for everybody else, you know, for each person. So, you know, it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know what what to say about that. It's just like kind of how you want to approach it. Um. And, you know, it's not that like I'm making stuff so I can get into galleries too. Right. Like that's,
0: mm-hmm. I kind of
1: don't expect that to ever happen at this point. Um, You know, I, I'd like, you know, I don't expect it to happen. Um, But what, it will. don't tell my wife that Jesus Christ. No,
0: <laughs> what is, what is your goal with your work?
1: Uh, that's, it's such a good question because I you know if I'm, if it's just me and you here, like the whole goal is to talk to God. Like that's what it's like, you know that's what it's about. Like, that's, you know, this like idea of seeking and like wanting to like, connect to something bigger and all that, like all that kind of idea.
0: So man search for meaning.
1: Yeah. Like otherwise, like, you know, and this like gets back into like that trip of like, you know, like, like, you know, a bit of like, what's the point ish, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, it gets back to the thing of like wanting a full life and experience and all that stuff too. Like how, how, how high can you take that experience? right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the point. And like hopefully that comes through in some of the pictures and hopefully that connects with somebody and hopefully they like give me a couple hundred bucks for a print and you know, that kind of stuff. And they live with it and whatever.
0: So that's a another interesting side question. Uh because I mean you gave one of the best answers I've ever heard for that question, but also how important it is it for you to have people other than yourself enjoy your work? Yeah. It's
1: um, good question. It, I mean, obviously it's important or else like I wouldn't, not that I would say I wouldn't be talking to you because that's not what this is about, but you know, I wouldn't be like putting my things on the internet. I wouldn't be trying to, you know, the whole idea is like this, um, this idea that, um, the way I see the world and this like goes for any artist too, any photographer, artist, whatever you want to call yourself, um, oneself, let's say, um, that I see this in a like personal, unique way. Uh, I want other people to like see that too. It's just like, you know, writing your name on the rock. Like I was here, right. It's a little self-centered and all that stuff. But it also like this idea of like, I can share something that I experienced, like not that the print represents my experience, but like, you know, my whole self gets wrapped up into this thing and then gets sent off to somebody else for them to like maybe integrate and then go to this next thing. It's like, this all kind of interconnected energy bouncing off everybody. um, You know, that's where like the kind of I say greater meaning of like putting the work out there is about yeah. is like, hopefully it has some of that. Um, you know, I question it every time I put something up there. I'm like, this doesn't like, you know, let's just say, cause everybody looks at Instagram, right? Like this is not coming across on in Instagram. Like, right. You know, the reason I rent the big ass camera is because I've been making, like, you can't see it, but there's a 40 inch print right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and it's one that you like can be immersed in. Right. That's kind of the idea. Like I want to just like, feel all this stuff by looking like so closely at this thing. So yeah. all those details are not going to come across in a two inch screen. So, yeah.
0: Well, going a little bit back to what you were talking about in terms of personal growth, how do we know when we're growing through our pursuit of photography?
1: Um, that's a good question too.
0: Yeah. You have such good questions, Matt. Uh, <laughs>
1: um, I mean, it's tricky too, because like it can also be a kind of like kind of scary. Cause like, oh man, I look at my work from 10 years ago. It was, you know, like if I don't say so myself, it was so good. And like, what have I done in the last 10 years? Is like, kind of like, have I grown at all? Like, I don't know. I've been doing other things. Sure. But, um, you know, this, like the photographs are kind of, you know, like the idea of like, they're smarter than you. They also keep a record. Um, and if you're making the same picture now that you did 20 years ago, like, oh, I got to hate to break it to you. Um, Maybe like you're not growing as much as you thought. And like that can be a good, like kind of good realization. It's like, okay, what is this all there is? Should I be doing something else? Right. Uh, because it's or, as far as I can take this. Or
0: why is that happening? Yeah, exactly. Like maybe a, maybe you're maybe if if you want the work to grow and you want to grow with it, maybe the reasons for why you're making the work aren't the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. That's,
1: you know, I kind of keep coming back to this. Like um, it might not show, but I'm trying to get better, <laughs> you know, just in terms of like being a better human. Right. Um,
0: oh, uh, yeah. Jeez. yeah, And so too, yes,
1: that's part of like, you know, is photography going to do that? Like, no, but it could like assurance not going to like hurt. Right. Um, it's going to like, you know, more you read, more you see um, more experience, like, you know, hopefully that like, Let's you more open to like new things and like growing, right? Like being a better person. Um, oh, what was I going to say about the? Oh, this um, Gregory Crewson. Do you know Gregory Crewson? No. Um, he is also like another like teaches at Yale kind of photographer. Um, he does his super elaborate, uh, basically like whole film sets, and he has like um, uh, directors of photography and things like that, and lights everything and like puts actors in that makes a single photograph. Um, oh wow! But <laughs> Yeah, it's like real, like I can say real, like serious, you know, serious, serious work. It's it's like like a play,
0: but it's a single photo.
1: Exactly, yeah. And so then he makes books of like these, um, these like narrative books through these things, uh, but like not really related related to landscape photography. But his idea is like you're always only making the same picture. Like every picture you make is like is the same picture. Um, and what you're trying to do is just like say that more clearly. You know, like. And it's not like, it's not conscious, right? But like you know, if you kind of peel back the layers, like there's just like this one thread that we're like trying to like get across. Um, I
0: don't. Like, I don't know if I agree with. I mean, I mean, I think at some point, I feel like once you've gotten to a certain level or a certain kind of consciousness with your work, that's probably true. But I think that it takes a little bit of time.
1: No, I mean, like a lifetime. <laughs> um, but um, so. But anyway, in terms of like the, how do you know you're growing? Like, hopefully, you know, you look back at your pictures and you see, um, you know, you see like things like building and leading from one to another. Right. Um, it was like, Oh, what was I thinking of? Um, Oh, it was like in kind of context of, you know, how the, tr- you know, say the trend, but like people are talking more about like more intimate scenes and like more abstraction and, and getting away from like grand landscape kind of, you know, it's generally the same compositional kind of thing. Um. And when I, let's say like 2002 to 2005 ish, maybe, um, so much of like what I was doing, I would just like call them visual exercises is like pop the camera down in the driveway and like, what can you make? Um, and at a certain point it almost became like, all right, like these, these become kind of easy. Like, you know, if you're, you're standing at point Lobos and you have like Western beach rocks down there, like you're going to find something. Um, and there's like something to be said, like, how do you keep pushing that to, you know, more complex, like intricate kind of things. The other thing is like, if all we're doing is visual exercises, then like kind of what is there? And so I kind of had this idea of like, I wanted to photograph something I'm personally connected to. And that's when it kind of got back into like, what's like the, what is it like that thing? Right. Um, and for me, it came back to like the Owens Valley and water, like kind of this consciousness of like water in the desert kind of thing. Um, everybody wants to live in the desert. <laughs> it can't support everybody wanting to live there, you know? Um, and this whole like idea of like Western migration, all that kind of stuff like gets wrapped up into these like these projects, right? And so like 2006-ish, I was like, okay, like I I got to stop making pictures of rocks on the beach because like I'm not connected to these rocks on the beach. Like I'm connected to them through like my appreciation of Edward Weston, right? Um, so I like, like, started thinking of like, what is like that important thing and it's like it's water and it's um it's mostly water like it kind of comes down to it um and it's kind of getting back to like that thing of like what did um like my grandfather like what i learn from like being in nature from that it's going to the owens valley and from like four years old kind of learning um yeah like this used to have a river like right here And then see that there, that's all the water going 250 miles away to Los Angeles. Um, Yeah. yeah. And so that's like kind of around then, like they had to, um, they're mandated to restore like this part of the river. It's like, okay, like here is something I can actually focus on. Right. Something I actually connected to, um, you know, has been going there since I was a kid. Like me, like focus on that. And then there's just all sorts of stuff where it's like that, that thing has always been water, like drought in the desert. Like my grandfather cut down all the trees in the, like not all of them. He had like a pretty like, you know, you'd water the yard, you know, like cottonwoods everywhere out front, like pine trees. And I think saved three of them out of probably like 12, 10 or 12. And there's like, you know, super vivid, like early childhood memory of like the newspaper coming out because he was cutting down his trees because there was a drought. And it's like, that's just kind of like continued through kind of a lot of the stuff. And like now, like the current stuff with like the Lake Mead, whatever stuff I'm working on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we were planning on talking about this, but I think you do have a project you're currently working on that's related to that, and I would love for you to talk a little bit, not only about about that, but also just in terms of projects in general. So, um, you know, as you probably know, we have a super robust project submission section in our competition we created, the Natural Landscape Photography Awards, and I'm personally always excited uh, to look at those submissions. What makes a good photo project, in your opinion?
1: I think that personal connection like that, like that's the heart of it because, you know, I could say like that seems like that place seems interesting. I'll just go photograph there and, you know, do a bunch of stuff. Like what's my connection to that. And is that going to come through those pictures? Like if you have that personal connection to it, then you're going to make things that I just like this idea that, um, the more personal you make something, the more universal that becomes. Um, and it's and so, like the more of yourself you put into something, the more people respond to that. So I think that's like one big aspect of like project stuff, you know, and then it it comes into like, is the project based on some kind of conceptual framework first and you make all the pictures to satisfy that, or do you have all these pictures that you made and then you kind of sequence and pick things that make that come into a project. And that's, you know, that's going to be different for different things. Um, You know, that's what makes a good one. Like one, like okay. This comes into like when I was working for like the, photographers and like publishing stuff like everything is sequenced like is that picture on the right or left um we're gonna figure it out like oh this really great picture it doesn't really fit with this other stuff It's coming out you know so like that i think about things that way like, there's a there's a visual flow to everything um there's like your personal connection to it and then um hopefully there's like some way to connect it to like the audience some way i you know i that's a it's a tough one um you- this is why it's this is why gonna... you hire consultants. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, seriously. I, I actually, for the, the like meat stuff I did. Um, okay. And it was super beneficial of like trying to like figure out the scope of something before diving headlong into it and, mm. and all that.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, why not maybe talk, talk about your own project and maybe talk about how you've tried to weave some of those elements into that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, going back um, there's like the, you know, the water thing is like the, the thread. Right. Um, but you know, the idea is like, how do you, how do you encapsulate this like entire, like, um, existential dread of like climate change and future generations into like a picture. Right. And so what, what it started, and this is like how most projects like for me start at least it's like this idea is something like that. And it's like, I don't know. And so when we were out visiting family last year in New Mexico, I was like, okay, I'm taking two days and driving up to Lake Powell and, um, and just seeing it, like I had this idea of like the bathtub ring as like this, like super kind of stark thing that just like, you know, it's, it's all represented right there, like 160, 200 feet up, whatever it is. Um, and so there's like that thing and that just like kind of evolved into like thinking about some kind of like framework of we're connecting. Um, there's like the Grand Canyon separated by these like two lakes, right? Like two biggest reservoirs. Neither one of them will probably ever be filled again. Um, there's like all this extra demand on the Colorado river that, uh, was already over allocated a hundred years ago when they made the Colorado river compact. Um,
0: right. And they like based on missed, kind of faulty
1: data. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, yeah, they, they did it on faulty information.
1: Exactly. So then it's like, okay, like based on kind of some failed attempts at photographing at Lake Powell, it's like, um, going out to Lake Mead and like doing stuff there. And then just becomes like this idea of like photograph his document, um, I don't know how this might be used in the future, but like I have a, because I don't have a real job. I have some time when I'm not like four year old wrangling, um, to dive into some of this history and like figure out how all these pieces connect, um, and make pictures around that and then try to like put some kind of framework around it where that can be packaged either as a book or a show or just, you know, this idea kind of gets like this idea of like photography being used for conservation awareness, that kind of stuff. Um, And how do you, how can you like integrate straight landscape photography with new ways of like visualizing, visualizing data and like using remote sensing stuff to like make a, a fuller picture from a series of photographs. It's like, that's kind of the idea around it. And then, so now the last couple of trips, I think I've done what really only two trips, but I've done a lot of work in two trips. Um, and then I'm going to start to shift over to Powell, Lake Powell and like photograph some. So the idea of like reclamation, right? Like this idea of reclamation is like what made the West settleable to begin with. Um, what made it like attract all these people and was also making it impossible to live there. Um, and so there's like this, uh, the idea of like, we're reclaiming all this water. And then in terms of Lake Powell, all of that, like kind of, um, you know, this drowned cathedral is being reclaimed by, by nature. Right. Um, back to his kind of more original let's say original state but like you know pre-dam state because there's just not enough water right so um yeah so as when i get some more pictures made i'm gonna hopefully start to work with like some of the people doing like, the fill first initiative things like that um you know hopefully i don't know you know this is like the thing is like the goal is to maybe like make something happen but like one person can't do it so hopefully if i my pictures help me work with some other people mm-hmm. um so there's like that kind of like more straight documentary aspect to stuff um, kind of offset by this, like, you know, wandering around in the desert by myself aspect that I have to kind of, that, that itch I have to scratch as well. So yeah. I'm serving a couple things here.
0: Well, I mean, a lot of conversations about landscape and nature photography typically involve some conversations about documentation versus art. And I'm curious from your perspective, uh, how can photography work to serve those functions And more specifically, do you feel like they can serve both functions at the same time?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so. I mean, like the whole reason Yosemite is Yosemite is, you know, the early 19th century photographers, like, you know, Moybridge and um, Carlton Watkins, you know, Jackson photographing these places like that. Like, look what, you know, look what's out here. Let's protect it. And also let's bring a lot of people out here to to experience it. There's like this double-edged sword there. But, you know, that's like the Sierra Club and, and Ansel Adams, like, this idea of conservation through showing what's there. Right. Um, That doesn't mean like turning a blind eye to like the negative impacts of these things too. I think one of the biggest kind of shifts um, in my own work is like going from Ansel Adams to Robert Adams. So I, it's like this, this new book by him is called American silence. um, Robert Adams book. It's, you know, in the 1970s, he started like photographing the Colorado front range, like, housing developments like this like beautiful prairie and then what's being like dug up torn up for you know denver suburbs right um so it's like if you just did like ugly photographs of ugly things no one's going to look at them um but and i say ugly like a lot of judgment in that word but like um but if you can like show truth make it very beautiful and like have like some kind of pain uh in there as well like that's where like that kind of impact comes through so that was like a big shift for me personally of like, how do I, like, I'm not going to point my camera where there are no telephone lines. Like the telephone, like our, our impact on the landscape, um, is everywhere and trying to like not show that because you want to like kind of ex- show, um, some idea of like pure nature that in reality is might like might not be there. Um, like, is that really serving like who's, you know, what is that serving? Is like, is that kind of aligning with your goals and things like that? So that was like just a personal shift and like decision on my end. Um, and yeah, so I'm not sure if that, that answers the question.
0: No, it's interesting. I, um, I got into a little bit of a debate, I don't know, a few months ago, with some guy on YouTube that had put out this video that he was basically, his whole argument was that in order for landscape photography to be art, you have to add something else to it that wasn't there. Which, like, in his case, like, was like adding in... Like, light dolphins, like jump. <laughs> Well, in his case, it was just like adding in beams of light or changing the color or the quality of the light. But his point was like, it's not art until you change it. And I was like, I don't...
1: This is the problem people learning everything they know about photography off YouTube.
0: <laughs> I just like, I was like, I don't agree with that at all. Like, you can make photographs of really interesting things, even interesting things that might not be aesthetically pleasing, not drastically alter it and it still can be art. Yeah.
1: I mean, if we like take this definition of art as being like some kind of expression contained in some kind of form, then like straight photography, added photography, like it all becomes art. Like it's like this kind of policing. The word is like a little bit like tedious and like kind of boring. Very Um, tedious. (laughs) uh, You know, it's like, okay. I mean, whatever. But um, you know, I think there's, you know, it is personal. Like that's the whole reason it's art is as personal. Um, trying to debate that stuff. Like, uh, geez. Um, I don't but, know. I mean, it was just, just
0: interesting to me that like his argument for changing the scene with Photoshop was because he had to do that in order to make it art.
1: Yeah. Otherwise it's just like pure data, pure,
0: pure. It's just a documentation yeah, of I, the scene.
1: Um, this like gets to this whole idea of like what we're photographing is what's really there. Um, you know?
0: Yeah. Which it's not by the way.
1: Exactly. It's like, everything's, is <laughs> an, an abstraction. Like
0: um, like you're choosing what's in the frame and what's not
1: in the frame. You're making those decisions. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, it's not like some kind of panopticon
1: that is recording everything at all time. And it's all just a visual stream of data. Like it's not that. Um, and even, you know, this might be like super off topic, but like um, this whole, I, you know, using appropriate photographs and like for, in my case, like using satellite imagery to like make new, new work. Like, um, you know, is that photography? Like, hmm, I don't know. Like it's, you know, I can like work it into making it a piece of art. Like it's, it's platinum on paper, like, or in paper. Um, it's written, quote unquote written with light. Like it's a photograph. Um, you know,
0: I mean the definition of a photograph is, it's pretty simple. It's like a recording of light on a piece of film. <laughs> Yeah, or, or, a, you know, paper, or, or like some some light sensitive, a light sensitive substrate. Yeah. Substrate, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah,
1: and that's what I mean. Like, it gets tedious and boring. Like,
0: okay, cool. what <laughs> like, I mean, like, no, the satellite like, captured the image. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Um. And then you're doing something else with it. So I mean, yeah, it's probably a derivative of a photograph.
1: Um. Yeah, oh, and yeah. just like the photograph's a derivative of something in the world too. Like, sure. You
0: know, yeah. We're all working from. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Um. Now that's like, that's off topic. No, um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, off
0: topic, but it's not.
1: (laughs) I know. It's like, this is the kind of conversations why I like, why I like your show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) At at least I hope people like this. I don't know. Um, no, I, uh, I don't know. I was actually curious about that in terms of the, the, like the, the competition, the photography awards that you do. Um, like would my, would I even be able to like enter? I'm, I'm not, It's just like, you know, something I think about like where should I enter stuff? Like what is going to be um uh not say beneficial for me because like that's not really about that. Like, you know, and just in terms of like does it fit your framework? Does it um say does it add anything? Like uh that's not questions I have to answer, but um or you have to answer even.
0: Um, well I mean our competition is really about showing the natural um state of the landscape or mm-hmm. things that are discovered in nature um, through photography without super um, – Without adding things, right? Yeah, mostly without adding yeah. things digitally. Or removing Or trees. removing things that are non-transient. Yeah. You know, like, I don't like that boulder right there, so I'm just going to clone it out. Yeah. Or <laughs> those power lines, those are super inconvenient. Let's just get rid of those. And
1: Yeah, that gets to this whole idea of like um, – I don't know, like the, um, like you have power over what you put in your pictures. And yeah, yeah. if you didn't want those power lines there, then like move someplace else. Like um, everything is there. Like the whole idea of like one of the best jobs that a camera has is documenting. Like like wh- this, you know, this is something we've totally gotten away from. But like um, what, in, what is in front of the lens is like was there, right? Um, it might be a falsehood, but it was there. <laughs> you know, it's right. it's not reality, but it was there. Um, right. it was like, you know, the relationship between me, the camera and that thing was there. Right. right. If somebody else so, was yeah,
0: standing there with you, they could have also experienced that same thing.
1: Well, I mean, that's like an interesting thing too, because it's like this whole idea of like, you're never standing in the same river twice. Like the light never hit your eyes. Like it hits there, you know, all those kinds of things. Like, yeah. um, that gets, you know, also be, but I mean, if biggest. someone else
0: was standing in that exact same spot with a camera, they too could have created a similar image you know, it, it didn't require adding or removing things after the fact. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, That's essentially the premise of the competition is to showcase the work that can do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that um, like the whole adding, subtracting all that stuff, like I do a lot, I don't say a lot, but like, you know, burning and dodging, you know, it's like tonal sure. controls. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like this idea, like tone, tonality is as much of composition as like where you put the rocks in the picture. Um, for sure. Yeah. And especially in
0: black and white.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's like all you, what I like, my mentor is like all you have are tones. Like it's not objects or tones. And so what do you do with those tones to make a compelling picture? Like, Oh, I don't It's hard. It's hard to do that. Like if you try to take the subject, this idea of subject out of it, like the subject is everything in the photograph, um, put them in the right place (laughs) and, you know, the right place is subjective and all that. But like, for you, like there's a resonance between the, what, what is right and in the right place. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, well, maybe that's a good, another good segue to talk about composition. Okay. Um, so for you, what makes for an energetic composition and how do you feel about compositional rules? Quote unquote.
1: Um, (laughs) Oh,
0: you're not going to offend anybody.
1: Well, this is when I wish I walked to the store and got a whiskey. No, uh, (laughs) no. Um, no, so basically, I think of the way at least in terms of the way I approach the pictures like that um in terms of composition, everything has weight and energy, right um, the visual weight of the things determines where the energy goes, and so let's say just say like everything in the world is energy, and you put a box around it, um
0: which is like camera this theater. is what we're
1: doing, yeah, it's exactly what we're doing um and so like we have this box and all this energy bouncing around in it, right, and the energy being like visual energy, right. Um, so by having the thing, thinking about like the things, the subject in your picture as having mass, like different degrees of mass, that mass is going to pull the energy. And so the idea is to keep that energy moving, uh, by balancing all those different visual masses. And so that, that energy never dies. Um, if something's too prominent, it has too much visual weight, the energy is going to, your visual energy is going to get sucked to it, or it's going to go fly out through the box and you're going to move on. You're going to lose interest. So my whole goal is like, what can I do with all these things uh, and working with tones, like put all these tones to the right degree in the right place with the right visual weight so that it's not stagnant, um, that everything is like not so balanced that there's nothing, um, that there's enough weight and movement so that like everything keeps being in motion. Um, you don't want something to be a black hole and just like suck all the energy. Um, you don't want something to just kind of dissipate I mean, nothing nothingness too. So there are... Say techniques um, for thinking about certain types of things, edges like where. Mostly, it's like just being aware of like that energy and what is in the picture compositionally that that either stops it or keeps it moving. Um, right. So like, this idea, like
0: a good example, is a picture of a forest scene, and there's a giant diagonal log coming from the middle of the scene down to the corner edge, and it's like. Okay. So my eye just went right down that log and right off the paper.
1: Unless you have something with enough visual weight on the other side, some other, something else to balance that out. And so that's where like this idea of like dissonant photographs, um, like, uh, you know, either things like with just a lot of busyness, um, can be really compelling because if they're balanced correctly, like you can't, not look away from it. Right. Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. just like, why am I drawn to this thing? It's because that visual, like that visual energy is moving around. And so, yes, yeah, like being aware of like that kind of line that just like shoots your either line or bright sky or whatever it is, that's going to like, draw your attention. If you can't balance that out, then like, okay, move on. And if it's, if you're working, I kind of get to this idea of like if you're working too hard for it, it's not there. Like you either feel it or you don't. And okay. I'll, I'll Rules are for the people who like kind of lack that ability to feel that, you know, they, they can't really, I mean, the rule of thirds came about because it was like a Kodak, you know, how to take a picture, put the sun at your back and, you know, put the people here, but maybe put the mountain over off a little bit. So there's a little bit of quote unquote balance. Right. Right. And so people took that to like, Oh, it's on the third. It's a rule. Um, And you know, like uh, the ones that really get me are like the golden spirals, like the kind of petapixel like articles that like, We'll take an Ansel Adams and we have this golden bean, whatever, and we're going to pop it. Oh, it doesn't really work there. Let's move it over a little bit to that side. Oh, let's flip it around because it really doesn't work that way. It's like, it's just arbitrary. And you're making up, like, they don't really understand, like, the whole aspect of visual weight and, like, why that Snake River picture is good, right? Right,
0: right, so. right, right. Yeah, no, that, that, I don't think I've ever heard, heard anyone else describe it as weight and energy. And I think that's a really simple but effective way of kind of describing it. Mass energy equivalence.
1: It's all physics. I mean, <laughs> I mean, um, like no, they're really like I was, I was joking about it. A couple Composition
0: times. is physics. It's, I love yeah.
1: That. Um, I mean, every like if we're getting down to it, like, is not everything. And so, like, just like wrap that into a frame. Um, but no, like if you think of like conservation of energy stuff, like it's we want to keep it moving, or else it transfers to something else, and that that something else is our attention going someplace, you know, to the next picture or some other photographer. Um,
0: but yeah, for rules, like I think. I don't know. I don't. Wanna... I do think like if you're new and you're struggling and you don't understand compositional weight and energy, the rule of thirds thing can be a useful like starting point. But I wouldn't like it. Shouldn't be like your Bible. You know. I,
1: yeah. The problem is like people get like, well, it has to be on a third, and so I'll put it there, and like without considering what else, what else for, it can be, or what else it can do. For yeah. Sure. It's like, you know, I um the way like the workshops I used to kind of be a part of were taught. It's like you pop your eight. So like you walk around and like, you kind of like just are aware of space and like where things are lining up in space. Um, Like, Oh, this feels like a good spot. Like, I don't know what I'm going to look at yet, but this feels like a good spot. And so you put the camera down and you like move it around and like with a dark cloth over your head and eight by 10, you have like 80 and 80 square inch like thing to look around at. Um, And so we just like spend our time, like walk, like, just rotating in one spot in a circle and maybe you move the leg an inch here, two inches there. And there's just a technique of like doing this with the large format camera um, where you just like, it becomes super fluid and kind of intuitive, like of where you go. And um, I was photographing in death Valley, like one of my first trips back to the West coast, like 2003 after like a short trip, long story. Anyway, um, we were out in the sand dunes and you could see where we were because in every spot there'd be a literal circle about where we turned around 180 degree or 360 degrees, like photographing, like just looking everywhere. Um, and like that's whole idea of like, you know, personal growth and like visual growth is like, it comes from like the whole idea of like, I don't know what's here. Let me find out. And like you, you use the camera to find out.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right, Richard, who would you recommend for our podcast? Who Who do our listeners need to know more about? Oh, this
1: is the thing that I kind of stressed out the most about, um, and I have such a long list um so I will say like i you know I mentioned their names early on, but um so michael smith he he passed away in twenty eighteen um, but Michael Smith and Paula Shamley, uh are the names of the photographers I work for. I think Paula would be a really good guest um she's super articulate she's but um going on eighty um And doesn't photograph as much anymore, but like does more like with painting and assemblage and things like that. And kind of keeping the studio going. Um, Linda Connor though, I think um, she is. So anyway, Michael Smith and Paula Sham, that's who I worked for. They had the the publishing company. Um, Paula might be really good to have on the, on the show. I need to talk to her. I'm supposed to, you know, gotta, gotta get back in touch with a little bit. Um, uh, Linda Connor is also kind of of that generation, like in large format, photographer um kind of from like the seventies onward. Um but photographed with eight by ten. And also um she kind of did a lot with like petroglyphs, um, pictographs kind of stuff. Mm. Um, did a bunch of stuff in Hawaii. Just like kind of, I don't know, subtle work, but like very beautiful. And so um so large format, right? Eight by ten, black and white, but she used um a printing out paper, which like a gelatin silver process or um, yeah, it's like mostly gelatin silver, I guess. Um, But instead of like using a developer, the actual silver and the light hitting it actually develops the picture. So it's called printing out. So like the image forms as lights hitting it and you basically just fix and tone it. Uh, But incredibly beautiful photographs. Hmm. Um, So I just heard her on another podcast um, not too long ago. And I was like, Oh, like she's, she's really with it. Like, be good for pe- more people to like, kind of, I mean, not say more people because like she's pretty well known, but I mean, like in terms of um, the landscape photography kind of thing, that's kind of what I was thinking about with like this name is like, you know, who might your like listeners not really know about and like would be kind of kind of cool to, to hear about. So Linda Connor is definitely one. Um, Cody Cobb um, is a mostly works out west, I think, is doing really interesting color work. Um, I don't know him personally. So, uh, but it's just like, you know, out of, out of some color photographers, like you kind of see around, like he's doing some kind of interesting, cool, different stuff. So I think he'd be really cool. Um, lots of kind of nighttime work, um, doing hmm. stuff with like multi-spectral imaging kind of stuff. It's, it's cool. Um, and then uh, I kind of mentioned Robert Adams. Um, he's, he's real, he's like almost eighty. 85, even he's, he's getting up there, but not in terms of having on your show, just for listeners to kind of learn, learn more about his writing on photography is just like, it's, you know, touches your heart. It's so good. Oh, let's see. Uh, Mark Ruudel is a photographer. For, I think he just retired teaching from long beach, maybe Irvine. No Cal state. You see, you see Irvine, maybe, um, does really interesting stuff with, uh, also eight by 10 black and white, um, sorry, everybody's turning into eight by 10 black and white photographer. Sorry. That's um, all right. That's what you're into. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just kind of the kick I'm on lately. So I was, uh, really, yeah, I do It's kind of like looking at like humans relationship to the landscape, um, and how it's always been like a continuous, uh, relationship. Like there was never this idea of like land being separate from, um, from like humans, uh, and just also just like beautiful kind of subtle work, um, mostly kind of desert southwest and like Northwest. Um, and then also somebody I kind of know a little bit is uh, Scott B. Davis, who um, runs the, what's the photo festival in in San Diego called? Uh, it's getting late and my brain's starting to go, but he just came out with a really great book on the Sonoran desert where he actually photographs, he puts coated palladium, platinum palladium chemistry on paper in the camera and does oh, wow. really, really long exposures with that. And just had a book came out and it's just incredibly beautiful, super well-designed book. Um, That's so, wild. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's good. He's so good. Medium, medium foot photography festival in San Diego is, okay. is what it's called. Um, yeah. I would say, yeah. And if you want one more, I think Adam Katzef, uh, K-A-T-S-E-F-F. Um, doing some interesting color, long exposure looking work, um, kind of monumental print sizes. Um I had a chance to see one in in New York not too long ago and just incredible. Uh, They don't really come across on the internet. Like it's like that kind of immersive experience that. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Um, Cool. I think that might be all I, you know,
0: I'm sure you could go on for like two hours. I know.
1: I'm I'm sorry. It's
0: no, you're good. (laughs) Well, man, this has been super fun. I really had a great time, Richard, and I hope you did too. Yeah. Likewise. I really
1: did. I'm, you know, happy that, well, I mean, happy that we were finally able to do this and hope I didn't make too many people upset. Uh, No, no, I just, I don't know. I, I just think this is great. I think you're doing a good show and yeah. Happy to be a part of it in this little way.
0: Well, thanks to Richard for taking the time out of your busy schedule of toddler wrangling to record with me. I am so utterly thankful to be part of this amazing community of photographers, and I hope that these podcast episodes provide all of you with some value. If they do, I sure would love your financial support over on Patreon. For just $5 a month, you can access bonus episodes, which are recorded almost every week. For $10 a month, you can get access to episodes earlier than everyone else. If you enjoyed Richard and I discussing these topics this week, You can listen to our bonus episode on Patreon, where he provides some alternatives to photo celibacy, a concept coined by Cole Thompson, who we have also had here on the podcast. By the way, we are still accepting entries for the Natural Landscape Photography Awards until August 31st. Our goal has been to discover and showcase the best realistic landscape and nature photography on the planet. We have an awesome project submission section, uh, which relates back to what we talked about on today's podcast, and we have three separate categories for you to submit to. We also have the goal of you appearing in our Fine Art Coffee Table book, um, which will you receive for free if you do get into the book. We also offer more cash prizes than almost any other competition, so it's probably the best value of any competition that exists. We can't wait to see your entries. Just go to naturallandscapeawards.com. I hope you're having an amazing summer. Please do keep in touch. That's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.